Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. And this is me, Tom Berducci, with Joe Madden. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Joe Madden, we're talking about history last night, game four of the World Series. A no-hitter. You got Don Larson in 56, and you got four Houston Astros pitchers getting it done against Philadelphia. That's it. 118 World Series. And that's the second no-hitter. Of course, Don Larson threw a perfect game. But just give me your initial thoughts of what you watched last night, Joe. The power of 24 hours was in effect last night. Um, (laughs) From the night before, you know, McCullers just didn't have his stuff. And all of a sudden, um, everybody's making the Phillies the best-hitting team since um, the 27 Yankees. We always said that. And then last night, Javier pitches and does what he can do and all of a sudden the the script flips and it's it's really i've said it a thousand times if i said it once in the past it's that the game could have been called pitching as opposed to baseball um he was that good he's been that good javier i've seen him wow um last couple years um in houston and in in, and in anaheim the ball just comes out differently you can see where the hitter is kind of surprised when the ball gets the home plate um, he's a strike throw. He's aggressive. He's assertive. I, there's this guy's, and the fact that he really wasn't considered like a normal part of the starting rotation is kind of mind boggling. So yeah, the no hitter is, is kind of, you don't, you don't expect that, um, much of a, a shift, but damn, I'm telling you, man, his stuff is that good and the rest of that bullpen is superb. So it is the power of 24 hours. So you, you hit a couple homers the night before, and like I said, everybody all of a sudden uh, thinks that the Phillies are going to shift in another way. But it's really about pitching. And the pitching last night really tipped in the favor of the Astros. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that that Javier fastball. I mean, it is unbelievable. First of all, his velocity actually was down from his average during the season, right? And it's if you look at the radar gun, it's pretty much an average big league fastball, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, from the, that release point, the way he slings it, the ride on that pitch, you saw the Philadelphia Phillies getting a look at him a second and third time, still unable to adjust to get on top of that pitch. That tells you how special it is. 
Here's a number for you, Joe. He threw 97 pitches. 70 of those were forcing fastballs. Beautiful. That's 72% fastballs. Now, we have pitch tracking data like this going back to 2008, okay? There has not been a World Series game during all these years of pitch tracking since 2008 in which somebody threw 74 seam fastballs. I mean, that's how special it was last night. People, you were looking at a guy, you talk about old school baseball. Here it is, try to hit it. They couldn't hit it. I mean, you got to see it on the other side with the Angels in the same division as Javier. This is the Astros' number four starter, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, the fact that this guy's really down on their pecking order regarding starting pitching um, is incredible. Then they still have the kid Garcia in the bullpen or whatever uh, you might want to call that. Yeah, it's a different look. Um, I wrote down a little note to myself back in the early 80s. I was managing in um, Idaho Falls, and a guy that kind of threw like that from the left side was Sid Fernandez. And and Sid was almost looked like he was sitting down, and, and then his arm would come through late. And the ball was at the top of the zone, right? Probably at that time, 89, 90, maybe 91. And the same kind of result, nobody could catch up to it. More recently in the bullpen, again, in the early 2000s there, when we had uh, the Rays, Jake McGee kind of uh, brought that to everybody's attention. Everybody wanted Jake to throw more breaking balls or introduce a breaking ball. And I'm saying, why? Why does he have to do that? It's, it's probably going to be a ball uh, to think it's going to take the hitter off of his fastball. He's not. It's not because you have to stay on the fastball first with a guy like um, uh, Javier last night or Jake McGee in the past or Sid Fernandez, whatever, because you're not going to get to it if you don't. So if some guys are just gifted, they give you a different look. Um, and, yeah, you don't have to be uh, trick everybody. And I also believe uh, Verlander watching the game last night because we saw that a couple of days ago. When I thought his fastball was outstanding, and then I, I thought he got beaten on his breaking stuff that he really tried to use, I thought, more often in uh, run scoring situations, run, runners in scoring position. I'm curious tonight if we get to that point, there are runners in scoring position if, in fact, he throws more of his elevated fastball, and if he does go to the breaking ball, it's a strike ball, it's in the dirt, it's down and away, it's something where somebody cannot reach. So uh, even a veteran like Verlander could learn from a, a young guy like Javier from last night. Yeah, first of all, I love your comps there. I covered Sid Fernandez. He would push the ball up to the plate, and mm-hmm. he was throwing 89, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was 99 mm-hmm. because it seemed like it was coming uphill with, with ride. Correct. And Jake McGee would mm-hmm. throw what, 95% fastballs? Yeah. So the repetition of seeing the pitch still didn't bother hitters. It's amazing. And that's Javier. We talk about ride in the game, Joe, and then you've seen a lot of pitchers where you say, man, that fastball's got late life, right? People have to understand. Let me just explain this. A fastball does not go uphill, right? Javier releases the ball about five and a half feet above the ground. When it hits the top of the strike zone, it's three feet above the ground. So, no, it's not literally going uphill. It's going downhill. The difference is because he slings it, because it spins so true north and south, that that ball fights gravity more than the normal pitch. So it is not on a plane that the hitter is trained to expect it to be. So literally we can measure these things based on how fast he's throwing that his fastball actually holds its plane by three inches above what a hitter would think it should be. What does that mean? That means the hitter swing for a spot and the ball's not there, or they're just clipping the bottom of the baseball because the baseball is coming in higher because it is fighting gravity. It's literally not falling as much as a normal fastball. That's why you see, and you saw that last night, 
all the foul balls straight back up in the air. The Phillies went in. I talked to them about this. It's a top-hand game. Get on top of the fastball. I talked to Reese Hoskins about almost trying to miss above the fastball of the air to try to hit the middle of it. They still couldn't do that. Listen, it was one of the most extraordinary things that I've seen, especially in a World Series game, to essentially, and no disrespect to the slider, it's a great pitch, Mm -hmm. essentially beat a red-hot team with one pitch. That pitch was that special. Yeah, the the pitch is uh, antithetical to the launch angle, right? I mean, everybody's trying to swing up at the ball uh, more recently, although some guys have flattened it out, and and I, I do believe there is a kind of a shift going on. But if you've been trained at all to swing up at the baseball, and this ball, like you said, doesn't sink at all, it just kind of holds its plane. Uh, we're going to have a really hard time with that. From the side, it literally does look, though, like it does elevate sometimes. It really has that appearance. It might have something to do with the slope and the distance from the mound to home plate. But you could really see, guys, that we, you will say in the dugout, man, man, this ball's got great carry. And that's at the top of the zone. But there was even back in the day, I caught Mark Langston in 1980 in Boulder, Colorado. And he's the guy that taught me low carry. I mean, some guys will throw the ball at the bottom of the zone with such great spin that it'll just hold it. It's playing on the bottom part of the zone also, where you're expecting the ball to sink as a hitter. It just stays right there, and it surprises the hitter. As a catcher, mentally, for me, I was trying to get underneath the pitch. You get underneath it with your mind so that you could catch it up and not push it down out of the strike zone and give the umpire a better look. So there is such a thing. There is high carry. I believe that. You saw it last night. But I do believe there are some gifted guys out there that are pitched with low carry, and that also surprises the hitter because the ball just stays there when you expect it to sink out of the zone. Yeah, great observation. I think of Walker Bueller. Yeah. He is great at the low carry, gets a lot of takes. And Garrett Cole, who's made a living on the high four-seamer, actually in the last year or two, has gone to more of those low four-seamers. And they're, they lock up hitters. They're not expecting that pitch to hold its plane. Correct. And they're geared their eyes up in the strike zone for the four-seamer. So effective down and up. And Joe, as a, you're, you being a former catcher, i got to ask you about the the night for Christian Vasquez, the catcher, to keep putting down that one finger to call those fastballs. This is a guy who has caught one complete game in the last 31 days. And Dusty Baker, the manager, says, you know what? Christian Vasquez has caught Christian Javier a few times. We like what's going on here. I need a little more offense in my game, so I'll give Maldonado the night off. Sure. Puts Vasquez back there. Not a rookie, of course. He's played in the postseason with the Red Sox, been in big moments. But here he is now, one complete game going into World Series Game 4 in the last month. And now he and Yogi Berra are the only two catchers in World Series history to catch no-nos. How about that? Love it. And and he had the, um, I don't know, the wherewithal, the intelligence, or just the feel. I don't know what the game plan was, but maybe as he saw the Phillies weren't reacting to his fastball, uh, to Javier's fastball, that he kept putting down the number one. And there's something to be said for that, too. Um, a lot of times I've seen pitchers, because they've thrown a couple of fastballs in a row, feel as though they got to throw something differently, even though the hitter's not reacting well to it. And more recently, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Mike Lorenzen, this past year with the Angels, I just wanted to see him throw more fastballs, more sinkers and changeups, and really stay away from his breakup bomb. Matty Garza, I had Garza with the uh, Rays. And uh, if the first pitch of the game from Gars was downhill, which he was very good at at 94, called strike, I knew we were in for a good day. And I actually challenged him. I said, man, why don't you go up there one day and just throw 90% fastballs and see what happens? Because I'm telling you, they're not going to dig it out. And I feel the same way about Lorenzen when he has this uh, uh, good sinker fastball going on. Just go ahead and, 
and, and uh, challenge them to dig this thing out. I would love to see that more often. But uh, like you're saying last night, uh, give Vasquez credit. I'd love to know if that was the game plan going in or if he just decided at some point, listen, man, they're not getting any good hacks at this guy. I'm just going to stay with it, which if he did, I give him a lot of credit. Well, I think you're right on the latter point. You know, he told me that was the best fastball he has ever seen. So I think it made pitch calling easy. Hey, you slipped in there something about Justin Verlander, who is the starter in game five for Houston. Uh, I want to give you some insight on the conversation I had with him about what went wrong in game one and what he will take to the mound in game five. Pretty interesting stuff. He's always interesting to talk to. We'll talk about that when we get back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Verducci, and Joe Madden. Of course, the Book of Joe, the book, is out wherever you buy your books. If you like this podcast, if you hear something interesting, believe me, there's a million more things that are of interest that uh, I think you'll really dig in our book. So check that out when you can. In the meantime, game five tonight, Justin Verlander. I mentioned game one, and Joe, you noticed this as well. Came out really hot with a really good fastball at the top of the zone. Second time around the lineup, he went away from it, and his breaking stuff was not good. 31 breaking pitches for Justin Verlander in game one. One swing and miss. The lowest in his last 70 starts. So when I talked to Justin about that, he talked about the fact that he hasn't been out there competitively with all these days off since the Astros were sweeping series in the early rounds. And he got into lazy habits playing catch and throwing bullpen sessions. 
And he said, there's nothing I can do to replicate the edge you get from being in competition on a game mount. And he said, I I went back here in the last few days in between starts, figured out something mechanically. Listen, JV is one of the most positive guys in the world, and he'll always find an answer, at least going into a game. He feels like the breaking stuff is going to be much better. But I agree with you, Joe. When he gets that fastball at the top of the zone, he's got more velo than Javier. Probably doesn't have quite as much ride, but JV is at his best. And you've seen this plenty of times when he's upstairs with the heater. I I think he should stay with it if it's working and not think he has to show something different second time around. Yeah, I'm curious too because it's it's hard to land that many breaking balls. If you throw that many breaking balls in, in a limited start uh, number of innings like that, you're going to make mistakes. There's, you're just going to make mistakes. And uh, with hitters, um, they're going to be geared up to the fastball. They may uh, look straight breakable. I'm not sure. But when you make a mistake, middle-middle or a, a slower pitch over the plate, they're going to hit it well. And that's what I thought happened with him the other day. I love his fastball. And it's not unlike you're saying um, – Javier's maybe maybe the characteristics don't equal the same uh, regarding the data and information, but it's it's pretty good, pretty close. And the thing about Verlander too is the conviction per pitch. I mean, this guy really is convicted in what he's doing, um, and I think that in and of itself lends or leads to a better fastball by any particular pitcher on a given night. How much he believes in that pitch, uh, the hitter can feel that. You can even see it from the side where where the pitcher's really into his fastball. He's proud of his fastball. Heads up. It's going to be a good pitch for him that night. So we'll see how this plays out early. But on the other hand, I, if he doesn't do that I, and, and turns into the breaking ball, dude, I think it's going to end up like Nola again. I mean, you know, where it's a four or five inning start at the most, uh, which would be fine if they had the lead. I think they would be satisfied with that, the Astros, based on their excellent bullpen. But again, I'm curious tonight if he uh, – I, I just think the observation he saw yesterday. And even at the Phillies, if you know it's coming and it's that good, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Because he'll get uh, elevated in on the lefties. I love when he does that, Verlander. Um, then he could get the breaking ball underneath them after he's shown them that pitch upstairs. Um, he's got, he's, obviously, he's got a lot of weapons. But it's conviction of the pitch. It's how much he believes in his, fit, in his pitch. Is he proud of his fastball tonight? And if he is, he's going to have a very good evening. Well, I think it's not an overestimation to say this is a legacy game for Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Listen, he doesn't have to prove himself. He's going to the Hall of Fame. We know that. But there is a huge hole in his resume. He has never won a World Series game. Worse than that, he has the highest ERA in the history of the World Series, 6.07. 6 with a 6.07 in the World Series. He knows it. He's taking that to the mound. So it would be interesting to see what he gives the Houston Astros. But I'll tell you this, Joe, and I'm glad you brought up the fastball issue here because mm-hmm. the Houston Astros, the way they're pitching Bryce Harper. And first of all, I got to tell you, the Astros believe no matter what the numbers are showing about Philadelphia against high fastballs, yeah. they believe they are going to beat Philadelphia with high fastballs. It's just, it's their strength. And they don't believe that the numbers actually show what the, the Phillies can handle it pretty well. But the lineup right now, they think they can attack it with high fastballs. And we're seeing that with Bryce Harper. This is a number that might surprise you. The Houston Astros are throwing Bryce Harper 81% fastballs. 81% fastballs in the World Series. Now, when they get fastballs above the middle part of the strike zone, Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the top shelf. Harper does not have a hit. 37 fastballs above the top half of the strike zone, he does not have a hit. 
Verlander last time threw Bryce Harper nine pitches. Eight of those were fastballs. The one that wasn't was a slider that Harper got for a single. So when you watch the game tonight, you, like me, should be shocked if they throw Bryce Harper very much anything else but high fastballs. Of course, you got to mix something in outside the zone, but high fastball diet on Bryce Harper. It is amazing. 81% in the World Series. Yeah, the, it's all about the bat angle. I mean, you for years before all this tech came along, I used to just sit there and watch videos of the action pitch. So the guy that the pitch he struck out on, that he walked on, that he got a hit on, got made an out on, I would just watch that swing. And, uh, Diego Lopez used to give me a videotape, which took me about five minutes to watch, but I was always into the angle of the bat. And that would tell you exactly pretty much where this guy's capable of hitting a pitch or not. Uh, getting back to the L.A. launch angle component of this whole thing, if, if in fact you want to swing up and you're trying to lift everything, of course it just makes sense. Uh, to get the ball up in the strike zone or elevated in is almost impossible to do damage with. You might you might be able to fight it off the other way, but to really um, drive that ball is way it's much more problematic. It's not going to happen. The guys and then again, there's the guys with the flatter swings, the guys that are able to get on top. What's uh, Edgar Martinez used to practice with the batting tee on top of a milk carton or something like that, and he would put it way inside. Donnie Slot did the same thing, way inside to get. The, hands through and the bat head to the ball on the ball elevated and elevated in just as a practice routine but it would get their hands ready for the game <clears throat> all the other methods are being taught now it's, it's more about lifting the ball and, and angles etc so it just makes sense and 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 if you're if you're going to be uh disposed to, to swing that kind of an angle which uh that Bryce is and a lot of other guys are the elevated outside quadrant is open too not down in a way not middle down in a way that's that's right into your barrel you get it above the barrel, and it's really hard to catch up to. Uh, when it's 95-plus, brother, it gets there real quickly, and it, and it almost feels like it garners speed you know, 15, 20 feet in front of home plate. So it just, it's just common sense stuff. I'm always into watching a bad angle. And if I didn't see if I didn't know a pitcher that we were playing against, I would go on um, with the Cubs' Ivy. And I want to see the pitcher. We used to even be able to get minor league videotape of these guys. And I would either be confident or less confident just based on where this guy threw the ball primarily and the shape of his pitches, and then you just you put your hitter in your mind's eye up at the plate, and how does his bat work? And then you could you could actually make determinations right there if there's somebody you want to give a day off of. So it, it, it's some of it, of course, I, I'll pay attention to the numbers and the data, but a lot of it's just observation. And the hitter will tell you what he's capable of doing, and of course the pitcher with his abilities, uh, how do they match up to that guy? So uh, going into tonight's game, I would think Verlander is going to want to simplify and not overthink this thing uh, based on all, everything you just talked about. So I, I would see, I'd like to see a much more primal approach by him. Uh, conviction to pitch. Here we go. This is me. One-on-one -on -one kind of stuff. And I think if he does that, he can be successful. And on the mound for Philadelphia is a guy you managed this year, Noah Syndergaard. Now, don't expect a long start. Mm -hmm. he, it's pretty much a bullpen game for me. It's probably 11 batters. And I say that because when the lineup turns around a second time, it's Jordan Alvarez that mm -hmm. is really the pivot point each night for Rob Thompson. So if it's a anything other than, say, a three-run lead for Philadelphia, I, I think he goes to the bullpen that early in the game. So don't expect length out of Syndergaard tonight. You're right. I mean, that's all. those are great points and, and accurate, I think. Um, but and it's really hard to, to know what to expect from No. No's, you know, he's a starting pitcher. He's a thoroughbred. He's done it for forever. And when you get such... Uh, Levels are 
windows of inactivity. It's hard. This is this is where it's hard. I talked about it yesterday, where the relief pitcher could have a couple days off and still maintain his sharpness. He's thrown one innings, one inning. He maybe have two pitches to command. Where uh, a starter needs to have feel of all of his pitches and know what he's doing and get into the game. Normally, gradually get into the game as opposed to a reliever has to get into the game immediately. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'd love to see him do well. I like the man a lot. Uh, but uh, when when Alvarez comes around that second time, uh, absolutely. And I but you're right. If it's a three or four point lead at that point, you could be more tolerant with, with Noah. Hey, quick break here. When we get back, I got to tell you a story about Rob Thompson and also the boss. I'm not talking about Dave Dombrowski either. We'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Rob Thompson, baseball lifer, of course, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, trying to become only the third manager to take over a team in the middle of a season and win the World Series. The others being Bob Lemon and Jack McKeon. I got to tell this story because the last couple of weeks I have not been able to get this in on the Fox broadcast, and I love this story. Rob Thompson took over in sometime around the middle of the season. The Phillies were 22 and 29 when he was hired to replace Joe Girardi. Now, Rob Thompson, he got his, went to his first major league game back in 1972. He's from Canada, crossed the border from Detroit. So it was at Tiger Stadium. His dad brings him to the old Tiger Stadium. They hang around after the game to go to the players' parking lot. And he sees guys like Mickey Lolich, Bill Freehan, Al Kaline. They're going to their cars, and they're all dressed really nicely. They're wearing suits. And his dad, Jack, who's also his coach, worked blue-collar job at a factory in Canada, says, son, that's how a major leaguer dresses. And he never forgot that, Rob Thompson, the impression of a young boy from his dad and seeing major leaguers. Well, fast forward, Jack passed away, and Rob and his brothers talked about a way to honor their dad. And at the time, Rob was working in the minor league system of the New York Yankees, and they decided, Rob, if you ever do make it to the big leagues, you can honor Jack by, by wearing a suit on the road which Joe Madden, as you know, not too many guys do these days. 
And Rob Thompson has done that ever since. He has worn a suit on the road, old school style, to honor his father. So there was one day this year the Phillies are playing a getaway day. They're leaving Citizens Bank Ballpark. It's Father's Day. Rob Thompson walks into the clubhouse and he sees his guys putting on suits, jackets, and ties. And believe me, that stood out like, whoa, Rob Thompson says, guys, what's going on? And they said, Skip, we're doing this to honor you and your dad. So they all wore suits on the trip. They took a picture in front of the plane. And that there is only one picture hanging on the wall of Rob Thompson's office. It still looks like a guy who's, you know, a temp on the job. He has not exactly moved into the office, but there is one picture on his wall. And that's the picture of Rob Thompson in his suit and wearing a fedora, by the way, with his guys, his baseball players wearing suits, standing in front of the plane in honor of Jack Thompson. I thought it was a beautiful story. It tells you about the background of who Rob Thompson is, and it tells you how much these players love their manager. And Joe, you're a guy you made, listen, you made theme trips famous guys getting on the road and having fun. But, uh, wow, the story still touches me. That, and Rob, when he told me this story, he actually got choked up just telling the story. And he got choked up the time when he walked in and saw his guys in suits. Pretty cool stuff. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, if you think you look hot, wear it. That's my, that's basically my, my, uh, road trip dress code, but I, I love all of that. Um, out of respect to your pop to do something like that, uh, makes all the sense in the world. And it is very touching and have the players, uh, just band together. And let's, we're going to do this uh, for Rob and his pop. Yeah, I would start crying. I probably would have started crying <laughs> if it was me in reverse that uh, the players did that in, out of respect for my father, too. Um, it's awesome. And it also um, kind of defines what's going on with them right now. When you have that kind of buy-in from the whole group with the manager and the coaches, et cetera, uh, you just, it's, it's really, uh, it's, I don't want to use the word easier, but it really helps a lot when you get to these times of the year that you have that kind of uh, cohesiveness among the group. It shows up on the field. It shows up in, in, uh, in tough moments. It shows up after tough losses like today uh, when you could just put it in the rearview mirror and move on. So uh, kudos to all those guys. I love the fact that Robbie does that, and I really respect the players for following, following suit, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> it still works very well. And on the other side, Dusty Baker. Oh, my goodness. You talk about the Forrest Gump of baseball. Mm-hmm. Dusty Baker, now there have been two, well, three postseason no-hitters. Right. Mm -hmm. We talked about Don Larson. Now the Astros combined no hitter. And of course, Roy Halladay back in the DS. Dusty Baker was the opposing manager for the Reds when Halladay threw that no, no in the division series. So three postseason no hitters and Dusty has been the visiting manager in two of them. (laughs) You know, he was there when Bonds broke the home run record. He was there for the Bartman game. He was there for the first high five in baseball history with Glenn Burke. He was there for Fernando Mania. Uh, you can go on and on with this baseball life of Dusty Baker and the things he has seen. But I will tell you this. I talked to Dusty on the field after the game, Joe. Mm-hmm. And listen, I know it's not Don Larson, but it's a, still a no-hitter, even if it's a combined no-hitter. Dusty Baker had a happiness and a smile on his face that went beyond the fact that the Astros tied the series. Yeah, it's an important win. This is a guy who understands baseball history, appreciates it, and I'm telling you, he was absolutely beaming knowing that he was a part of World Series history. He just kind of took the words out of my mouth. He's a baseball lifer. He appreciates those kind of, emo- those kind of moments. Uh, obviously, having been there for the, 
uh, being in the dugout for the Reds um, really stands out. Of course, it happened for him last night. And he was uh, he's a, a historian of the game. He's definitely aware of what Don Larson did back in the day with the Yankees. Um, so I really, I, I could, as you're saying all those different things, I could just see Dusty grinning ear to ear, uh, really uh, taking in the moment. I'm sure he was attempting to take in the moment, not uh, having it go too quickly for him, not being lost on him, how significant this day was. And you're right, under those circumstances, I think what Javier had 97 pitches after six innings. He knew he wasn't going to throw a complete game, though, hitter that night because there's also bigger fish to fry in a couple of days where he may need him in a game seven. But to have the rest of the boys come out of the pen and and nail that down, uh, that's that's pretty special. And I'm sure that's something Dusty will always remember. And by the way, also at the game last night, yeah, the boss. The boss was in the house. Bruce Springsteen. The other boss, yeah. On the streets of Philadelphia, <laughs> Rod Street in this case, watching Christian Javier mm-hmm. throw that speedball by you, make you look like a fool. Glory days for the Houston Astros pitchers. Right. Boss has got a new album coming out, by the way, November 11th. But I love the fact that Bruce Springsteen shows up for a World Series game, takes it all in, wearing a Secret Service cap. And he was there for history as well, the boss. So how about that? Great reference to Glory Days. Absolutely outstanding. You know how much I dig the guy. I've uh, been a fan since 1972. Asbury Park, greetings from Asbury Park, uh, The Wild, The Innocent, etc., all the way through. Um, yeah, I've not met him yet. I've met members of the band, Max Weinberg and, um, little Stevie. I've met these guys at different concerts. One of these days I'll get to meet the boss, uh, cause truly a great influence on me as a kid growing up still does. I have told you when I get into those, uh, dark moments on occasion, I just get in one of my vehicles and put his, um, uh, something stream, something on the radio there, full, put up full blast and just listen. It takes you back to that Thursday night fraternity party at Lafayette college. And it, and it just gets you in the right in the right mood. Okay, with that in mind, John, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> what do you got? You, you got to give us something now to get us ready for Game 5. Give us a Springsteen tune that maybe is appropriate for Game 5 of the World Series. Huge swing game, obviously. We're down to a best-of-three series. Two out of three, you take home the trophy. Astros, Phillies tonight, Game 5. How are we getting ready? What are we putting on the playlist from the Bruce Springsteen catalog? Well, and I'm not going to keep going back to Kitty on you right there. I just I don't want to do that. Um, you know, uh, how about um, Jungle Land? Oh, love, love Jungle Land. I love the way that starts, uh, the beginning, the orchestration, uh, how it builds up. And my buddy Willie Fort, Forte of the B Street Band, my buddy has a Springsteen cover band. They they do that wonderfully. But I, I'm going to go with Jungle Land. And actually, <laughs> I would say around uh, – uh, Citizens Bank. It's going to kind of be like that tonight. Um, it's going to be kind of a crazy place. Uh, but let's go with Jungle Land and 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 just the way that song uh, starts, the hook in the beginning, how it builds up and stuff. Uh, one of my all-time faves. Very appropriate. Well, we'll get back to you after that game, Game 5. Hope you've enjoyed this latest edition of the Book of Joe podcast. Check us out after each World Series game. Tom Verducci and Joe Madden, we're out. Muhammad Ali. Don't count the days, make the days count. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you 
and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.